Hey everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast show that talks about video game news, stories, and highlights. My name is Luke Armstrong and I'm your host and joining me today is my co-host, Adam Beagle. Adam, how's it going today? Pretty well, how about yourself? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, In today's show, we're going to be talking about a couple different big stories from the past week. Uh, The creative director for Halo Infinite is leaving 343 Industries, so we're going to share our thoughts around that. And then... uh, Respawn responded to some monetization criticism that they faced uh, this past week. So we're going to talk about how they responded and uh, what what that whole fiasco looked like. Uh, that was a trending topic this past week. It was all over Reddit, uh, especially the Apex subreddit. So I wanted to talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a quicker show. Uh, today we're just going to have the two articles and yeah, it should be a... a fairly casual show so sit back and relax uh before we get to uh, today's topics uh, just a reminder that the podcast is available every tuesday it airs on all the major podcast platforms apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify uh, just search for games are fun on whatever podcast service you use uh, each week me and adam join together to basically just talk about what's going on in the industry some of the major topics and then just kind of share what games we've been playing, what games we've been looking forward to. So if you like video games, you've come to the right place. Uh, if you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you're listening on iTunes and you enjoy the show, please leave a review. Reviews go such a long way. Um, and then, yeah, if you know somebody who enjoys video games or enjoys podcasts, uh, share this podcast with them. The power of sharing can go a long way uh, and it'd be great to grow this show and get as many listeners as we can. So uh, make sure you do that if you like it. Um, If you wanna further your sport, you can do that by donating to the show. Of course, this is completely voluntary. Uh, You can still catch the podcast every week for free, but if you wanna go that extra step and give us a, a couple bucks, you can do that. There's a link in the show notes that goes to the anchor page and basically you can choose from a monthly contribution of $1, $5, or $10. And basically those donations help support the show, help grow the show. One of the things that I really wanna do is just kinda improve the the production of the show. And one of the easier ways to do that is to kinda get your guys' donations to help fund that. Uh, Me and Adam don't get paid anything for doing this podcast. It's completely on our own time and uh, on our own budget. So. Yeah, that would be really great, but of course, it's not necessary. Uh, everyone who just continues to listen to the podcast, that's that's uh, enough support. But if you want to go the extra step, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's, let's jump into today's topic. So let's start off with the first article here. Uh, this is coming from Jason Schreier over at Kotaku, and it is Halo Infinite Creative Director Leaves Company. So this was a big story that caught my eye this past week. Um, so Tim, Jason, uh, Jason's article, Tim Longo, creative director for the upcoming Halo Infinite, left developer 343 Industries this week. Kotaku has learned. It's part of, uh, sorry, it's part of a leadership shakeup that arrives late in the development of the next Halo game, which is scheduled for release in fall 2020. Longo, an industry veteran who has also served as creative director for Halo 5, 
had moved to a different role a few weeks ago, according to two people familiar with goings-on at 343. This week, he left the company entirely. When reached by Kotaku, Microsoft confirmed Longo's departure and sent over the following statement. Uh, Roles and responsibilities of various team members regularly evolve to meet the needs of a game throughout development. We have recently had two changes to the Halo Infinite development team. Our executive producer, Mary Olson, will now take charge of the campaign team on Halo Infinite as the lead producer, utilizing her many years of experience at 343 to help craft a great campaign for fans. Additionally, Tim Longo had recently departed our team and we are truly thankful for his many contributions to our games our studio, and the Halo universe. We wish Tim nothing but the best in his future endeavors. Uh, The overall creative vision and production of the game remains led by Chris Lee, studio head of Halo Infinite. We have a world-class team building Halo Infinite, and the overwhelming positive response by fans has us energized more than ever to create the best Halo game to date, alongside Project Scarlet and Holiday 2020. These changes have no impact to the release date for Halo Infinite. Um, and then it just kind of talks a little bit more about Halo Infinite's release. So, Adam, what do you think about this? This is a, obviously a big, a big deal for Halo fans and for the franchise having a creative director leave. What do you think about that? So, um, I think it's not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, anytime you see, you know, someone that deep in the creative process leave, um, such a beloved franchise like you hate to see something like that go because you kind of have to fear the unknown like what's going to happen now especially the game's not done yet like what's is the vision going to change was there you know um is it going to push the game out further if if the vision does change um so there's there's a lot to be concerned about there um at the same time for you know future hopefully it won't impact uh halo infinite coming up but um you know, it could be interesting for future Halo games to see what sort of new vision might come out of this and see um, how combat might evolve. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That um, was a good one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think um, it, it gives me cause, a little bit of concern for Halo Infinite um, and then also for the, the franchise in general. But, you know, hopefully some, some good will come out of it. Maybe yeah. new creative uh director will um bring some fresh new ideas too so yeah absolutely i mean it's one of those things that could could work out to its benefit or it could hinder it it's it's really hard to tell because we never know you know what the project looked like uh, compared to the final you know thing that releases but you you can imagine yeah a creative director the person who's responsible for the overseeing everything leaving i mean um, there, there's definitely going to be a change in, in development and kind of the, the work that was put in towards the game, having someone come in who, um, obviously has already been a part of the development process and stuff. It's, it shouldn't change too dramatically, but yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be affected in some sort of way. Um, yeah, it's speaking of combat evolved, it's interesting to look at the, the path of the Halo franchise and, just how it's had lots of ups and downs and stuff. Obviously, the franchise is not the same as it was when it started because, you know, the industry's changed. Um, you have a completely different team working on it than um, what originally, who, the, the the team that created this this IP and stuff like that. 
And so you always wonder when is the point going to come that it starts to die down and lose lose speed. I was kind of wondering how they were going to recover from Halo 5 because personally, I don't know about yourself, um, but I Halo 5 didn't really do much for me. Um, and I, I although I enjoyed like the multiplayer because I think it improved a lot of things that um, the like Halo 4 or some of the previous Halo games didn't have. The campaign, I just felt like it, it didn't feel like a Halo game to me in, in certain respects. Um, but, you know, with with Tim being the creative director behind Halo 5, maybe having someone new for this one could bring the franchise or bring back those fans that maybe weren't super big fans of the campaign or, or maybe lost touch out of Halo. Who knows? But, yeah. Did you did you enjoy? Are you a big Halo fan? Uh, so I'm not huge on Halo. Um, I didn't play five. Mm -hmm. um, I did play four, and I think I might be in the minority when I say that I actually liked the campaign in in Halo Four. Yeah. Um, I I think it wasn't super well received. I enjoyed it, um, but I did not play five, and I know it was very um, there. There were a lot of mixed opinions on yeah. five as well. I think uh, majority of people not liking the campaign of five. So um, I, I think because of that, it kind of steered me away from from picking it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, from my memory serves correct. I am pretty sure most people, yeah, were pretty pretty split. You either liked it or you didn't. I I I wouldn't say I hated it. I just it's it didn't seem it it just seemed like it was trying to force a story that I don't think needed to be there and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the first three specifically are just so good and I think connect with each other so well. And I know, I understand that for, you know, switching developers and it, it, there's a, there was a gap there that made things difficult for the franchise, but I wouldn't say Halo's dead or anything like that, but I think that they are struggling to, to keep up with what they once were, you know? Yeah, they're going to need to make sure that Halo Infinite is a home run. Um, Absolutely. Changing creative directors in the middle isn't a good sign of that, but, you know, uh, maybe it'll all work out. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I think you are you hit the, the nail on the head by, by saying that it, this being a, a console launch um, game, well, what we figure with it, uh, it's been confirmed, I think, to be both next-gen and Xbox One, and I'm assuming it's going to come bundled with the first you know run of xbox scarlet or whatever um and they can't afford there's no room for error in there if, if it's a dud it's going to kind of set the tone for i think uh not just the halo franchise but for this next generation for xbox um putting all your chips on on a big ip like this it, it, you can't afford to have any any issues with its release or anything like that so so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, we're still quite a ways away. I expect that we yeah. will probably see a little bit more. Um, I I would say E3 will probably be our next big look at Halo Infinite before launch, I guess. Um, yeah, so we shall see. Moving on, though, let's uh, go over to Games Radar. This is Vicky Blake. Uh, it's Respawn admits it broke its promise regarding monetization in Apex Legends. So, 
Apex Legends developer Respawn has admitted it missed the mark and broke its promise in the way it has monetized Apex Legends Iron Crown collectibles. As Austin, Austin detailed earlier this week, Apex Legends solo mode was finally released, albeit temporarily as part of the new Iron Crown collection event. However, the bulk of the event leans heavily on the collection aspect and more to the point. It often feels like it was priced with collectors in mind. Participating in the event itself is free, but the stylish cosmetic items it introduced come with eye-watering prices. Bloodhound's Raven's Bite Axe, um, for instance, can only be purchased once you obtain all 24 loot box exclusive Iron Crown items, and the axe itself goes for a whopping 3,500 coins. If you wanted to get absolutely everything the Iron Crown has to offer, assuming you get your two free packs, you need to spend... Uh, 18,900 coins, which is almost exactly $170 if you buy coins in bulk. Now, in an open blog post, thanks Eurogamer, to players, Respawn's Drew McCoy has acknowledged that whilst the developer had hoped to monetize the game in a way that felt fair, it broke its promise by making Apex packs the only way to get what, what many consider to be the coolest skins we've released. At launch, we made a promise to players that we intend to do monetization in a way that felt fair and provided choice to players on how they spent their money and time, McCoy said. A core decision during development of Apex Legends was that we wanted to make a world-class battle royale game in quality, depth, progression, and important for today's conversation, how we sell stuff. With the Iron Crown event, we missed the mark when we broke our promise by making Apex packs the only way to get what many considered considered to be the coolest skins we've released. Looking ahead, Respawn says that from August 20, 2019, the developer will be adding and rotating all 12 of the event-exclusive legendary items into the store for the remainder of the event, and they'll be available for the regular legendary skin cost of 1,800 Apex coins. Iron Crown Apex packs will also remain on sale for 700 Apex coins. Our goal has not been to squeeze every last time out of players, McCoy concluded, and we have structured the game so that all players benefit from those who choose to spend money. Events like Legendary Hunt or Iron Crown exist so that we can continue to invest in creating more free content for all players. This week has been a huge learning experience for us, and we're talking, we're taking the lessons forward to continue bringing the best possible experience to all of you. Ooh, okay, so Adam, let's just jump right into it. Just give me what you got, uh, what are your opinions on this? <laughs> so um, just, I, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, on the one hand, I, I think to myself, okay, they made a free game that's right. really cool, a lot of people really like, and so I, I'm not mad at the fact that they have microtransactions in the game. Sure. Um, the, the problem that I think comes in is the way that they're restructuring things and the way they are, you know, they say they don't want to squeeze, you know, the last dime out of you, <laughs> yeah. but, um, it sounds like they are really, I, I don't know if maybe, um, purchases have gone down recently. Like maybe, you know, I, I don't hear it come up a lot in the news. So maybe traction is kind of starting to wane. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, people are going back, you know, playing other games or, or kind of getting away from it that they need to, um, find a way to make more money so they add this into it and it just seems kind of disingenuous the way that they're adding it in um so yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan of them doing like i'm okay with them having microtransactions because they should make money off of a free game yeah you know in a way that they can but i just don't like the way they're going about doing this one 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think, especially like you said, with free games, you know, free games and microtransactions go hand in hand. It's they've that's how free games have been structured for such a long time. You look at mobile games, you know, um, it's I would say only within the last like four four or five years that like consoles have seen an increase in these free to play games with microtransactions. You know, microtransactions have been around for such a long time and it's easy to forget that there always has been this kind of, you know, feud between players and de developers in, in regards to charging for content. Some argue that it should be, you know, that they're just taking content that should be free and, and putting a price to make extra money, that kind of stuff. There's always these these conversations that seem to never stop. But um, I think it, it's clear that they're 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 pushing pushing the limit. I think a, a bit on this one, um, and and that's why people are mad. Uh, I I definitely think that with microtransactions, you know, there's a part of me that like if you want to spend. X amount of dollars on something, regardless of how much it is. If that's what you want to do, you you can go for it. Um, of course, the the argument always comes in with like, especially games like Fortnite or games that have a younger player uh, base. You know, are we the the kids might not know the repercussions of spending their parents' money and stuff like that. Like right. that's always in the news, and so that needs to be in consideration. Now I know Apex Legends is probably targeted for an older audience. But that still doesn't mean that um, you can just go to town and put whatever as many microtransactions. You need to you need to show they need to be purposeful, I guess. Right? There's a difference between having to spend $170 to get all these customization options, and then or paying $10 for a battle pass. Right? Um, even though it's just cosmetics and stuff like that, and it doesn't change the gameplay and it's all personal if you want to make your character look a certain way i don't i think it's wrong of them to kind of force you to have to pay for this kind of stuff to to get what you want or whatever um yeah like just recently i've been playing a lot of grand theft auto online and the game is structured in a way that you can make a lot of in-game currency doing different jobs and doing heists and stuff like that um but it's it it's it, they definitely push you towards buying shark cards like in-game currency um games are structured that way i like they want to make money and i get that it's a business but there's a, a way of doing it that isn't so aggressive i don't think so um yeah yeah i, I agree yeah so uh, i was reading on reddit i went over to the um the apex legend subreddit just to kind of see what because those are obviously the people on the subreddit those are going to be the fans that are playing this i kind of dropped off of apex legends so i might not be uh as emotionally attached to this controversy as people that are big fans of the franchise and it seems like there was quite a few people um like shitting all over the developers and, and being quite you know uh I guess not like threatening threatening them. Well, maybe, but like just being really aggressive, and that that that's pretty common when there's stuff like yeah. this. Oh my gosh, you should have seen the um, the anthem subreddit yeah. whenever that game came out and <laughs> disappointed. Oh my gosh, man, yeah, that was that was nuts. Yeah, I would say between like in recent years, anthem and Fallout seventy six have probably been the most notorious <laughs> for having just some of the the biggest backlash for things like that, 
and I saw this one response from a developer in the subreddit um, and they basically were stating that they messed up and all that and then they were kind of like saying that it's not fair that we have like the players you know treat us like crap and stuff like that actually I think the quote he used was asshats treating us like asshats or something like that (laughs) and of course he's just making the problem worse because rather than just accepting that okay this was obviously a misstep on our part we're getting a lot of backlash from this uh lesson learned let's move forward from this it's like okay they're still kind of putting up their defenses and stuff like that and that's not going to go over well obviously that's just gonna get get people especially on the internet they're gonna get more like angered and uh it's just gonna create even more dialogue towards it um and when this thing popped up on the subreddit this was like you know two three days after this this thing launched and so the fact that like you're just you're basically just fueling the fire at that point with with those kinds of comments and stuff so i don't know it's just so hard i always think to myself like when when are they going to learn? It just seems like it continuously happens. I thought that that Star Wars Battlefront 2 fiasco a couple of years ago was really going to change the 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 loot box and microtransaction, you know, industry and I think it it sent some waves through it. It didn't necessarily change it as much as I thought it would. We're still having these kinds of issues across lots of games with service. So, yeah. I don't know what the solution is, but I don't think doing doing that is is a good route to go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, any other thoughts around this or? Uh, not so much on that, but I did have, um, uh, uh, I guess, a story or you know whatever come up that I'd actually like to talk about real quick. Sure, go for um, it. It's actually about Gamescom because. I'm still in disbelief that we're already midway through August, <laughs> so it totally <laughs> snuck up on me. But um, I did just want to talk about real quick. There's a um, article that popped up for me here from uh, Digital Trends um, by Gabe Gerwin. Okay. Um, so just kind of a rundown of the conferences. So anybody that's interested in um, that likes events, kind of like E3. It's not as big as E3, um, but it is a very big game. Um, I guess showcase. Um, so it might be worth mentioning for anyone that likes to follow those sort of events and, and view live streams and, you know, who wants to get some good information. So, um, so Gabe writes, uh, similar to E3, Gamescom is an annual event held in Cologne, Germany that celebrates all things video games. Starting on August 20th and running through the 24th, several publishers offer, offer visitors an opportunity to try out their latest projects on the showroom floor. Companies like Nintendo, Microsoft, and Google. However, uh, I'd like to kick off the show a day earlier by holding some press conferences of their own. And these are moments that you usually don't want to miss. Gamescom differs from E3 in that it doesn't usually offer a ton of AAA game announcements, but it's still a great opportunity to see upcoming games in action and learn more about gaming hardware arriving in the future. If you want to check out all the presentations, you can learn the times and what we expect to be announced below. Uh, So the Nintendo um, Showcase, it's sounds like it's an indie event they're calling it indie world showcase Mm -hmm. um and that will be on uh tomorrow uh august 19th at 9 a.m i guess this will be in past tense that's all right yeah that's fine (laughs) (laughs) uh so um 
so I guess in retrospect, if you haven't seen this, these events, go watch them, go cool. check them out. Yeah. We'll probably be talking about them. Um, but Nintendo is doing a indie showcase. Um, there's going to be inside Xbox, uh, on the 19th as well. 11 AM, uh, Google Stadia, um, which is probably the thing I'd be most excited for. Um, and then it looks like maybe, uh, Jeff Keeley wants to do a big thing as well mm-hmm. to kind of kick things off. So uh, that's something I'm really looking forward to. I, I kind of I get interested in it, of course, because I like E3. Yeah. Um, so it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that and looking forward to talking with you about it and uh, looking to see or hear about how um, listeners and um, other people are, you know, view the event and, you know, see if they caught the information and, and what all their thoughts were. So I um, just wanted to bring that up um, in case anybody – uh, like myself, maybe forgot it was coming up and, you know, maybe when they listen to this, they, you know, if they haven't seen any of it yet, something to take a look at. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for, for adding that. I, yeah. Gamescom always seems to be on the back of my mind. And then when it kind of, all of a sudden it's here, you know what I mean? Like you said, it's the middle of August and it's like, Oh man, we're going to, there's, you know, going to be announcements and stuff. And I absolutely love that kind of stuff um so yeah you can expect me and adam to kind of go over what we saw from gamescon this this upcoming week we'll be talking about it on next week's episode um so yeah that should be should be pretty good i am very interested in the google stadia stuff me too it's been what i guess since e3 since we heard anything from Mm -hmm. them i guess same could be said for nintendo and and uh xbox xbox yeah yeah do you think what do you think the stadia connect or whatever is going to talk about do you think we'll get like the release date um i i think i think it's it's very possible we could see release information for those that aren't part of the uh like the founders uh pre-order um i imagine they'll have new games to show like new partnerships um maybe not anything that's um unique or exclusive but maybe just saying like hey here's a game that you maybe normally would have played on an Xbox or PlayStation, but now you can play it on Stadia day and date and you can play it, you know, anywhere, you know, you can do the whole streaming thing with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, staying tight lipped on what games will be shown. Um, but they will include new trailers behind the scenes looks, uh, for Stadia developments. Um, focus will be on games rather than the technology which is a good thing yeah definitely uh, i think we've had enough <laughs> of, well enough look at the tech yeah like they've gone over it like i'm pretty sure i understand how it works let's talk about the service uh, now i guess and they also say we'd also like to see a glimpse of the exclusive project um it's from the the writer um for after the launch basically maybe some sort of uh timeline for yeah. what post-launch looks like so cool yeah yeah because they they it's november yeah november is supposed to be the the launch time and so i'm mm-hmm. sure they'll like in the next little while here they're if they if they don't do it on monday i think they'll give like if they don't give an exact date i think they're going to like give a date of like when they're ready to announce if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so maybe like a maybe like a window. Of yeah, like sort. we're going to have another one or like here, 
make sure, kind of like what they did at the beginning of the year where it's like, hey, well, you're going to find out more about Connect this summer. And we did. We mm-hmm. had like another presentation and stuff like that. So it might have something similar to that at, at the very least if we don't get a release date. But yeah, seeing some new games and stuff would be really cool. It's definitely the one I'm the most excited to know more about because we're getting mm-hmm. so close. Did you, did, I can't remember. Did you get the Founders pack? I did not. All right. Um, yeah, okay. I wrestled with the, that decision for yeah. a little while, and then I decided I was going to hold off. Hold on off. That. As yeah. much as I want it because it looks really cool. Yeah. I'll I'll definitely be doing a, like a review. Um, probably not the day it comes out, but like around that time, we'll probably discuss it on the podcast. And I want to try getting into more things like maybe some video reviews and that kind of stuff or maybe some written stuff on my own uh, or, or with you. Um, but... Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, it's, I, I, I contemplate with the idea, but then after seeing the value, I think I explained this to you when I, when I purchased it for like the price of what it is and the separate cost of a Google Chromecast ultra and the cost of like the controller, it pretty much just pays for itself. Um, right. Yeah. It's a good value. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I have a 4k television, so I don't really need like the, but like having that and being able to play the games in 4K and stuff, that that could be cool. I don't know how great it's going to be, if it's going to be what they say it is, but I, and I know I'm sold. So I, I wanted to jump on board with it right when it comes out. So yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that there wasn't, um, there wasn't a real big, didn't sound like there was a ton of startup titles. Like they had Destiny mm-hmm. 2, which was really cool. Um, they didn't really lay out everything I think that would be available right at the start. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe they'll unveil more more games coming at launch when it comes out. Yeah, um, exactly. In yeah. November and see what else is see what else is available. Um, I don't know if pre-orders are still available or not. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm assuming. I'm assuming so. I wonder if they even will include like. Well, no, they, they've already pushed their pre-orders. I was wondering if maybe on like Monday they talk about. They, they try to push the one final push of like trying to get some founders editions or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like if you miss that one, here's like a mid tier one or I don't know. Maybe you can get one with that just comes with the controller or just comes with, I don't know. That doesn't really make sense, but <laughs> you never know, I guess. And um, I mean, just one other thing to, to mention about Gamescom here is that um, there's obviously some some big names there nintendo xbox google um sony won't be there which isn't unusual for them i, I don't think they usually show up for gamescom uh, yeah i don't um, think so but it makes you wonder if maybe we'll see one of those state of plays pop up around that yeah i know that um obviously this is not an entirety of playstation but hideo kojima is there with um jeff to do a presentation uh to give more details about Death Stranding and stuff like that. And so that's at least one, you know, console. I guess it's supposedly coming to other plat or at least PC. Um, it's mm-hmm. not going to be an exclusive forever, but that's one PlayStation 4 game that everyone's been waiting for that yeah. you'll get a little bit of PlayStation in there, I guess. But um, yeah, we could. I, I heard rumors that there was uh, supposed to be a state of play it's funny literally the day because we were talking about this last week like when's the next state of play gonna come and 
I think it was like the next morning I woke up and I had this little like notification, like Google alert. Um, I was scrolling through them. I was like, there's this rumor that there was one coming. I can't remember what it says now off the top of my head. I think it said that, uh, either in September or November, sometime around there, they're supposed to have a big state of player, uh, showing off, uh, last of us part two release date. And again, this was just a rumor and stuff, but, um, who knows, maybe around Gamescom we get an announcement around the next state of play. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure, you know, with all the, with it being, you know, a big thing, even though Sony's not there. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely wouldn't be weird to see developers that were making games for PlayStation. So I'm sure we'll see some PlayStation news there. Just nothing, you know, maybe first party. Yeah. Yeah. Wise. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be good. I'm excited. Um, one thing to um, mention, like, yeah, the it's happened already by the time you listen to this, but if you miss it, like, definitely go back like that's what I usually do because it's it's so hard to sit uh and find the time available when everything's happening like around e3 or gamescom to like sit and see all the presentations if you're you're busy and stuff like that and so yeah even if it's already happened just go back um and watch because a lot of times I find even the new major news sites like IGN GameSpot when they do like a highlight highlights of gamescom or or of um someone's like press conference or something like that they exclude those smaller things they just kind of focus on the big Mm -hmm. things so it's i definitely recommend going back and watching them um just because they sprinkle little things in there that you might find interesting and stuff like that so should be good i'm excited to, to see and talk about it next week yeah me too all right so that is it for the news this week let's kind of just end off the show with just talking about some video games and what games we have been playing so uh adam take us away what have you been playing this past week so this week um i had some fun playing a game i had a friend of mine come over um and we played streets of rogue on ps4 okay um so that is a it's like a rogue roguelike game yeah um top-down perspective and uh just kind of i'm not really sure the story of it all but um you start out in like a slum section of a city and everything's kind of run down and and your characters have um like you choose a character at the start and each kind of have their own pros and cons and stuff and uh uh basically you kind of just progress through floors um like you do in a lot of different roguelike games and you know um collect weapons to kind of progress through and Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of neat how some of the some of the characters um operate so you have a soldier that they start with a machine gun and some grenades and stuff so you can kind of just go through gun gun the enemies down to get through to progress through the floor um and then there's like a hacker where you can kind of uh, use a little bit of subterfuge to get through. You know, you can hack PC terminals to unlock doors and open chests okay, and yeah. safes yeah. and stuff like that. And you have a thief who can, you know, steal things to, to get through. And um, each floor has some uh, some objectives you have to complete before you can progress to the next floor. And it could be anything from just uh, wiping out certain targets. It could be... Um, going into like a building and um accessing like a like a certain number of like little terminals Mm -hmm. um 
what else is there? There's little escorts you can do where you might have to rescue someone and escort them to uh, the exits. So there's uh, different missions. There's even some extra ones you might be able to pick up in the middle of the floor that you, that are more optional and not needed to unlock. But when you do it, you get um, the in-game currency that you use to purchase like upgrades and things like that. And uh, uh, you also get experience that you level up. And as you level up, you get to choose different perks to kind of help you through the rest of the floors. And, and of course, if you die or lose or whatever, you start over, you lose all those perks. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. um, when you level up again, you have like a different list of perks you might get to choose at your level up. And it was a lot of fun. We played that co-op, um, which I think made it a lot more fun. fun like, yeah. I, I don't think it would have been as fun single player. I yeah. think co-op is, is a thing. You can play up to four people on it. Um, but yeah, it was just a really fun time. Um, it starts out a little slower, of course, but then as you you know you get the knowledge, you get a little bit better. You get some upgrades that are um, new items that can show up during your runs, and it kind of makes things uh, go a little bit more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it, it was cool. There's a lot of different characters that you can unlock and choose that all have their unique abilities and uh, unique ways of progressing through. So it was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed that. That's awesome. It sounds it sounds like a game that you can kind of play over and over again because there's so many different ways of like approaching each level and stuff. Like you said, hacking or going and killing killing people head on, running gun, and having the different characters and playing using their abilities and stuff like that. It looks mm-hmm. looks really neat. I'm looking at uh, some gameplay. So yeah, so it's a, you know if you play through one you know one character and it's like okay that was that was a little bit easier. I I beat the game. You know, you can challenge yourself by choosing someone that's a little bit more difficult, difficult and doesn't yeah. have yeah. Um, as many items to start out with or, or takes a little bit more, um, like, tactical thinking to get through the floors. Yeah, yeah. That's probably one of my favorite, like, me- not all roguelites have that kind of mechanic to it, but that Blazing Beaks game, which was also another roguelike, had that of, like, you had the different birds you could play as that had different abilities and totally changed how you kind of approached each level and how you played the game. So one run would be with one character would be very hard, whereas the other would be a little bit easier and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool because then it can kind of like tailor to your experience and mm-hmm. and your level of difficulty that you're wanting to, to put yourself through. So I also like it. I looked up it. It has both online and local co-op, which is really neat. Yes. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's one, but not the other. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. I dig dig the art style. I might actually check this game out for myself. So cool. Um, any other games? That was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, just you know, a little bit of Final Fantasy, a little bit of Fire Emblem. Um, but yeah, that's that's, that's about it. How close are you? to end game of fire emblem how long is that game that's got to be like a hundred hour game yeah so (laughs) so on my first playthrough i'm i think a solid like 50 hours in right now i i think i'm i'm over halfway at this point okay um, but i think i still have quite a a ways to go yeah that's what always anything any of those kinds of games or like jrpgs that's usually like i have such a fun time playing them but like i just get so like uh, anxious over like how much more I have to do and stuff like that it distracts me from the game. I was like that with uh, Persona Five, like absolutely loved it. Like oh, such a good game. Yeah, I was just totally 
like it was one of those games that like when you go to work or you you're out doing errands or whatever and you just are thinking about like i can't wait to yes. go home and play that 100%. game that's one of those games um and then i you know eventually started playing something else and then never went back to it but i think that's actually a bit of news the persona 5 royal edition is coming to the west um i don't know what the exact release date is now but it is coming to the west here so i when I got Persona 5, I just, I borrowed it from the library. Um, but now that I got invested to it, I'm like, oh, I'll easily buy this game. So why don't I just pick up that edition? So um, for me, I haven't really, it's the tough thing about doing these shows. Sometimes there's a week in between recording. Sometimes there's only four or five days. So it's like, well, not ha- too much has changed since the last time yeah, we talked. Right. Um, but the... I'm still plugging away at Dishonored. Um, I one update to my Grand Theft Auto Online. I've, had, I've taken a break the last like three or four days, but I was there was one specific heist that I was trying to accomplish, and it was really difficult because every time you need four players to complete it, and every time I would get a group of people together, of course it takes like almost ten minutes to finally get the matchmaking over with and get into the mission. Once you kind of get to there, there's this this heist there. The heists are so much bigger than just normal jobs that it takes a lot of preparation and going through. And then if somebody backs out, you got to start this process all over again. And so it was really frustrating to find a crew that knew what they were doing and stuff like that. But I finally finished this one heist, and um, I'm glad that I finished it because I was looking up online. This is it's like basically you have to break this guy out of prison. Um, and so like, well, you, one of you is a prisoner, the other is a a prison guard and you go into the prison to kind of infiltrate it while the other two, one is in a plane, kind of like the getaway plane and the other person's in a helicopter and they're responsible for like shooting missiles and, um, they're dealing with air traffic, the army and the police after them, um, in the air and you're down there dealing with guards and and the, the SWAT team and the, the police and you only have, uh, essentially, if someone dies twice or if anyone on the team, if there's two deaths, you have to start all over again. <laughs> and so, had, yeah, like you could be making some progress on the ground in the prison and then the guy in the plane gets blown up. And so you got to start again. So long story short, I finally, it was so, I got so mad because there was this end part of the mission where you had to fly kind of over the ocean and the guy that you helped escape from prison, he was gonna take the plane and leave the country and you were gonna parachute down. But you need to get the plane level and high enough for that cutscene to trigger. And for whatever reason, I was, so I was flying the plane, we spent like half an hour doing this mission and I wasn't high enough or some something glitched it. And so we jumped out of the plane and all of a sudden this like mission failed thing comes up. And I was so mad, I rage quit because it was like, I spent hours trying to finally get this mission and I get to the very final moment and now I have to go do it again. So I took a couple of days off, but anyways, beat it. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been playing. Uh, still a little bit of DC Universe Online, um, having fun with that. And then, yeah, that's really about it. So um, yeah, I think I have a couple possible... I have a couple um, games that I'm not quite ready to talk about. I'm still in the process of playing. Um, 
but you'll probably hear about those in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. All right, let's uh, wrap up the show with question of the week. So last week's question, I asked you guys, what is the longest amount of time you have sat and played a video game? Um, and we only got one submission this week from Alex McDee. Uh, so th- this is just a very simple statement that I think says enough. Uh, it's GTA Vice City dot 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 18 hours, three Dorito chips i think they meant three bags of doritos (laughs) which i have mad respect of course alex is um my sister-in-law so uh, i know her personally and can totally see her doing something like that she still plays video (laughs) games to this day and she she binges them when she does play games so um yeah there's nothing better grand theft auto i i remember grand theft auto 4 playing it uh having like friend come over and stay overnight or something like that and just spending hours just blowing stuff up or just be doing crazy things not even playing the actual story or campaign just using this open sandbox to do whatever you want it's quite fun so okay this week's question of course uh you guys can send in your responses to the email address games are fun podcast at gmail.com the questions are also posted on my facebook page games are fun and on Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod. So make sure you respond. You can respond on there. I'll make sure to read them on next week's show. So this week's question is Is there a game that is considered to be really bad, but is your secret guilty pleasure? So uh, you can kind of spin this two ways. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a game that's really bad, because I couldn't really come up with a game that was notoriously bad. But I really liked a lot of my guilty pleasure games are games that are probably good for those communities, but they're kind of uh, in the industry as a whole, maybe not the the top of the the bunch when it comes to games. Um, so I guess I'll go first. Uh, my <laughs> guilty pleasure is I really like tycoon type games, uh, especially like the earlier tycoon games. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember playing Zoo Tycoon on the PC back in the day. Um, you know, Sim City, The Sims, just in general, um, any type of those games. I, I would even get really bad ones that were just really poorly developed games. I remember I got this one for PC back in the day, and it was called like Mall Tycoon or something like that. Mm. And you basically create like a shopping mall. And I remember it just being pretty, pretty like bad compared to, you know, Zoo Tycoon and maybe some of those better Tycoon yeah. games. But I just, for some reason, I just love them. I don't know what it is, but Roller Coaster Tycoon, if there's Tycoon in the title, I'm probably going to check it out. So, <laughs> Did you play Sim Theme Park by chance? Uh, I didn't play that one specifically. Or, wait. No, I don't think so. I think with the, yeah, I was just Roller Coaster Tycoons that I played. So I think it came out... I, I, this might not be correct. I think it came out before Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh, okay. Um, but it was, it's the game that would probably be classified as as pretty bad. Oh, um, really? <laughs> but man, I loved that game. Yeah, I had yeah. so much fun with it. You could pick like different styles of parks, like uh, like space or like um, or like Halloween type, like ghost and like uh like i guess kind of like a horror theme sort of yeah theme of like a jurassic theme yeah and you could build you know you build your park you try and make the people that come in and out happy um, by putting in different things and the, you could build your own roller coasters and then you could do like a first person view and kind of ride the roller coaster mm-hmm. um and i just thought that was super cool 
Yeah, there there's something about that. Like I think it's just like when those games really became quite popular, they were. I think it was like the it, there wasn't a lot of other games out there that gave you that much control of like a video game. I think like like when you think of games like that, or even like Age of Empires, those real time strategy of like building bases and building things and stuff from a top down perspective, was very popular. I think in like the early 2000s late 90s kind of stuff so yeah i'm waiting for a i think there was a roller coaster tycoon for switch it was like a a port of a which what is it here roller coaster tycoon adventures for the nintendo switch it only got a 56 on metacritic so it's probably not great but (laughs) anyways what's what's your game or games um so i have kind of two of them i'd say neither one are like bad and um i mean yeah neither of them are are bad at all but i feel like they got very conflicting like reviews and and things like that and especially at the time my one of them is uh um legend of zelda wind waker okay um when it first came out i think a lot of people didn't like the art style um there was a lot of sailing. It was it was very different than Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which mm-hmm. a lot of people really, really liked. Yeah. Um, so at the time that it came out, not a lot of people cared for it. And, um, I mean, I thought it was cool. I had fun with it. Um, you know, I, me and a friend, we'd play, we'd take turns. Um, you know, it was, it was a pretty good time. But now it's, it's, you know, a lot of people look back on it now and it's like, oh, yeah, that game's really great. And... You know, it's like at the time, a lot of people didn't think that. So mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's kind of one of them because at the time people didn't like it, but I thought it was neat. Um, and then the other one more recently would be Final Fantasy XV. Um, critically, it you know got sevens, eights. Um, so not bad by any means, yeah. but it was kind of one of those things where, you know, people had questions was it rushed and you know this is even after it was in like development, <laughs> development for, like for years. so long yeah <laughs> so it's like was it rushed when they when, like was it not ready because you know parts seem to be missing here and there so there's a lot of complaints that people had when it came out um so critically it, it reviewed pretty okay um among the people that i know that played it um most didn't really like it but I mean, for me personally, it's it's one of my all-time favorite Final Fantasies. Um, I had such a good time playing that game. It was a lot of fun. I love the characters. I enjoyed the world. Um, I I liked the story. A lot of people complain about the story. I thought it was I thought it was good, um, especially when you get towards the end and things really start ramping up. Um, there was just there was a lot to really like about <clears throat> about that game, and I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a blast and. I often think about starting a new file, but you know, it's another one of those hundred plus hour RPGs. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. you know, if ever I had the time, I would love to, to do a new file on that and also do the DLCs cause I haven't played all the DLCs for it. But mm-hmm, right, um, yeah. that game is just an absolute blast. I mean, it, it looks, it's gorgeous. The, the soundtrack's really good. Um, there's just, there's a lot to like about it, but I know there's a lot of people that had, complaints with it Mm -hmm. it's my just underneath red dead 2 it's my like most played game i think on my ps4 um i really liked it as someone who wasn't really into final fantasy that was when my first like jump it like i'd played various final fantasies but i wasn't really you know super 
it's not that I wasn't interested. I just, I think I had a, when I was like younger and kind of growing up, like the, the turn-based um, combat system was something that wasn't like, it wasn't my favorite kind of genre. And so when I saw that Final Fantasy 15 wasn't like that, I was like watching gameplay and just totally, that's why I'm so excited for Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, is that, oh, it looks so good. Right? Yeah, it looks awesome. I lo- I really liked Final Fantasy 15. Um, I, I had heard the same thing that some people, there's some, some different takes on the game. Not everybody was blown away by it, but I really like it. I, I have yet to actually complete. I'm like so close, I think to the end, I'm probably like 75, 80% done the game. Um, and every now and then I'll put it back in cause I'll just have this craving of wanting to get into that world. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, you just spend so much time wandering around and doing different things or going fishing or just you know, looking at all the different recipes of food you can cook. Like there's just, it's, it it reminds me a lot of like Breath of the Wild, having that kind of um, play experience of just not really feeling the need to like go and get through the main campaign and all the main Mm -hmm. quests and stuff. Like just feeling, feeling like taking my time and and seeing what this world has to offer and stuff like that. And when an open world game can, can do that for people, I think that that's really impressive because I don't yeah. I think that's a hard a hard thing to do um, with an open world game. So yeah, that that and one I guess I'll touch quickly before we wrap the show. The Wind Waker thing is yeah, it's so funny. You type in uh, like Wind Waker controversy on Google or something like that, and there'll be tons <laughs> of articles that explain like that. Yeah, when this game released, it was not you know well received by the fan base because it was seen as this childish version of of zelda and after just seeing i think there was also um a if i'm not mistaken off the top of my head there was some sort of gameplay shown off of a the news the next zelda game it wasn't official it was like alpha footage or something and it that whatever that was ended up kind of going i think towards twilight princess or something like that um i think i can't remember me i might be mixing this up with um no, I'm pretty sure because I remember the the scene. There's this specific piece of footage that was released and had lots of people excited. And then so I think that was also part of the reason why it got some backlash is people were expecting that because there was some sort of tangible thing that showed that it was going to be like previous entries. And then to just, you know, completely to turn 180 and, and yeah, give something else. It would, yeah, it would, it would catch people off guard. But um, Wind Waker is the one I played it, but it's the one Zelda game that and Skyward Sword is the only one I, well, and obviously like the Game Boy and like some of the DS games I don't own, but the, yeah, I, I want to, I have a GameCube and I want to get Wind Waker so bad, but now it's like valued at like anywhere between 50 and like $80. So it's like for like complete in box. And so it's like, if if I want to spend that money, I'm probably going to go out and buy like a brand new video game or something like that. So, well, I'm hoping at some point Nintendo will put the um, HD remaster yeah. of Wind Waker on the Switch because um, there were some nice little quality of life improvements that they made, specifically with the sailing, um, where there's a, a way you could sail faster since it's a lot of it takes place of you sailing on the ocean throughout the world. Yeah. Um, you know that that was one of the things that made it a lot more enjoyable because you could do things faster 
Um, so, you know, hopefully they'll bring that to the Switch and because yeah. that is probably the best version to play at this point. So. For sure. I, I know that it's not as easy as pressing a button that says port, but like they've done it with lots of other uh, yeah. Wii U games. Why not bring those HD for Twilight Princess and Wind Waker right to the switch you know what i mean yeah that would be awesome it'd be great it'd be a great way to kind of fill because i think we're a couple years out from that breath of the wild sequel so Mm -hmm. um, that'd be great to get a zelda fix but all right let's wrap up the show i'm kind of keeping you longer than i said i would so uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of games are fun uh adam if people want to keep up with you where can they find you uh, they can uh, reach me at, at AdamPalooza85 on Twitter. Great. And I am at Luke Allen Arm on Twitter. Of course, you can follow the show on uh, Facebook. Just search for Games Are Fun. There's also links if you go to our anchor page. There's links to all of the social media there. Um, Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod and Instagram at Games Are Fun Pod. I finally changed, dropped the podcast on the Instagram to make it all unison. Um, one quick announcement before we go, I, this isn't formalized yet, but I'm in the process of actually, uh, turning games are fun into a website. So the website is just going to be a central hub where you can get all the feeds and links to all the major podcast platforms. So, you know, you'll be able to game, go to gamesarefunpodcast.com and basically listen to the podcast there or direct you to whatever, um, service you use. And then they're also, that will be a way of, um, just posting updates and posting other things besides just the episodes we can maybe do uh, a bit more on that and stuff like that so that isn't official yet it's in the process um, i'm comfortable enough announcing it though so uh yeah just stay tuned for that so that should be cool um all right thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of games are fun and we will talk to you guys next week see you later yeah